Welcome to the new Cyber Frontier, bringing you the latest news and initiatives that focus on the development of cybersecurity economics. You don't have to be a computer or cybersecurity expert to get plugged in. Your host brings it straightforward, asks the tough questions, and brings the cyber world to a level of understanding for everyone. You can find us on the web at www.newcyberfrontier.com. Now join our host as he introduces the topic for today's New Cyber Frontier. Welcome, everyone, to a new edition of the New Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray, and we have a special guest today, Chloe Mestagi. Welcome from uh, Point3 Security. She is the VP of, um, uh, of Strategy over there at uh, Point3 Security. Welcome, Chloe. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. I love your little background there. Uh, kind of looks <laughs> like uh, my, it, you just couldn't afford the blue tiles like us. No, just I was just like, I'm going to go dark so people <laughs> think I'm in a cave somewhere. So this is right, the dark web. So we're promoting dark yes, web. Yes, okay, exactly. Because awesome. hey, that's what hackers are doing. That's, that's awesome. Well, in, you've got some of that in your background. Um, why don't you tell us who's Chloe? Give us a little sure. bit about your background and, and what you're doing over there at uh, Point3. Sure. So I am, so I would say like my job outside of Point3 security is that I'm an advocate in information security. And at times I can be an activist because I don't just talk, I actually take action too. Um, at Point3 security, I'm the VP of strategy, uh, which you shared. Thank you for the lovely intro. Um, but basically, we use a platform called Escalate. And this is what people use to cultivate talent on security teams around the world um, to help security pros, you know, basically continually assess and grow their skills and expertise in engaging ways and to measure, you know, performance on an equitable and unbiased uh, basis. We also have a talent screening service as well, which is to reduce gatekeeping that's happening in our industry. Um, and when I'm not at Point3 Security working, I'm also the co-founder of WOSEC, which is Women of Security, also the founder of We Are Hackers, formerly known as Women Hackers, and also the co-founder as Hacking is Not a Crime. And on my side, I like to run a book club uh, with my uh, fellow friend, Angela. And yeah, basically, I do a lot of stuff. When do you find time to sleep? <laughs> what sleep? No. <laughs> That's why you have a dark room. Right, exactly. That's awesome. Um, All right, so um, so point three security. Uh, I heard talent screening and gamification uh, for skill sets. So you know, we were talking uh, prior to our our interview today. Um, you know, as a as a hiring manager or as the chief of cyber over a military space program, one of the things that we find challenging is is, you know, the recruiter will get us a list of candidates uh, and then we have to set up the interviews, right? And then, of course, depending on the skill sets I'm looking for, Red Hat administrator or somebody uh, understands how to use Nessus or somebody, unique skill set, right? Um, that talent screening, that gamification, uh, the, the the piece that, that, that drives us crazy is you look great on a resume, you might fly through an interview, now I've got to get somebody who's really technically savvy in the technology I want you to be working on if I hire you. Um, and then I want to put you on a uh, cyber range to demonstrate the skill sets. And that's what you guys do, right? Yeah, we basically what we try to do is we try to take away the biases that are part of the hiring process. Because most of the time when it's 
you know, number of certs, years of experience, those resumes go forward. However, you're not really looking for who it who has these certs or years of experience. You're looking for the person who's going to join your team, be able to roll up their sleeves and do the role that they're supposed to do. And unfortunately, a lot of times companies, they're they don't have the ability to test the applicants that are coming in. So they're just going based on very old school thinking, which is that certs, years of experience makes it, you know, the perfect team member to join. We take away that. So in a sense that you basically work with us and super easy. Um, so you set up a job posting for a role and you contact point through your security and you're like, hey, I want to do some talent screen with all these volume of applicants I'm receiving. So then what we do is we come up with certain um, challenges like modules and whatnot to complete and also time for how much time it should be allocated to finishing these challenges. And then we go to the company, we're like, okay, these are what we think would be great for testing out this person since this person will have to do the following skills. Then from there, the company decides which one to go forward with. And then we send out invites um, to the applicants. And then behind the scenes, we're, we're just watching everything, analyzing all the data. And once it's completed, that time is done. Um, then we send over basically a whole presentation, letting you know which ones were the top performers, what were the strengths and weaknesses for each applicant. This in a way, it it's better in many ways because I don't know if you've ever dealt with this yourself, but um, as being a woman and everything, I've been definitely applying for jobs and whatnot in the past. And I'll, you know, my resume will not be considered if, you know, there's five men applying for that same role, which is a statistic that was founded by Harvard. And so for me, it was definitely one of those things where I was told, oh, you're not, you know, technical enough. You don't have leadership enough when I definitely do. But the thing is, is that they see my name and they just assume that I don't have those qualities. And that's the problem is that we have human biases that remain unchallenged or we don't even know that's the other part. So we try to take away that human biases, then we reduce the gatekeeping in our industry. Outstanding. So, um, yeah, it is one of those un unwritten biases that uh, you know, most uh, technical engineering, anything math, anything engineering, anything IT, um, you know, the demographics don't support women in those roles. And so uh, we were talking prior to this, anything that we can do to advocate uh, in, in all your contributions to these other areas um, will help out there as well. But I, I like that what balances uh, and takes away that bias is, hey, how did you perform uh, actually in a, in, in a real uh, world situation based on the skill sets that we're looking for? And uh, I, I like that that takes away that bias. Um, so. You know, what about the technology? So are we looking at just, you know, is what's the what's the laundry list of different things that you can test them against, like setting up a, a firewall or Cisco or Palo Alto technology or various variants of Linux, uh, cybersecurity? You know, you're talking about mm -hmm. certifications. Uh, so what's what, you know, is it a big list of things you can test or entry level, advanced, expert? Um, so we tend to test on those that... Um, have some sort of background or skill set. So this is not for extreme beginners. This is for those that have um, have some sort of experience in their lifetime. Um, but one of the things that's really interesting is that we tend to, and you might find this fascinating, we tend to find that those that tend to do better are the ones that 
actually don't have the certs or the years of experience. They tend to rocket out of the world. And we've, we saw this uh, recently in one of our case studies called um, for Edwards. Edwards basically had a couple applicants and the one that ended up getting the role was someone who was underrepresented in the field who didn't have those certs or that years of experience. And certs are so expensive to get. And it's it's definitely a handicap for our industry when it comes to trying to uh, bring more diversity and inclusion involved. Yeah, one of the things about the certifications and in, in it's one of the things that we do at our academy is we have different, different certs that we teach, uh, primarily cyber, right? And so you've got um, four competitors. You've got EC Council and ISC Square and ISACA and CompTIA and, and, and some other, a handful of others. But they've got their own flavor on how you do everything, right? And you've only gone out and done all of the EC Council certs. That's the mentality that you have. So uh, it's great that uh, you're able to just separate out what uh, what the, the functional certification mindsets are compared to somebody who's not restricted by you know, all of that other additional content. So um, that's actually pretty cool. I, uh, you know, that's something that we need to follow up on because uh, um, it, it, it just opens the mind uh, a little bit more. Um, one of the other things that I like uh, about the technology, the, the aspect of it is you can compare um, and based on an interview you may have had as an employer, um, you can take your data and rack and stack your folks and go, oh my gosh, this person knocked it out of the park during the interview, but on paper, they really, you know, maybe they're in a management role now and they skill sets diminish after uh, after time, right? Especially with the yep. introduction of new technologies. How often do you refresh your content? Uh, we have new challenges that come out all the time. So there's like endless amount of content. We have hundreds of modules, so you'll never get bored. And some of the challenges take hours, like hours, sometimes days. Um, so it's constantly a learning um, game, I would say. But it's one of those ways that you learn really fast because gamification and the way that it's applied. So, uh, you know, 96% of employers definitely notice a huge difference when they utilize gamification in their workplace to up their skills and whatnot. Well, that's a great thought. We're going to come back with uh, Chloe, Miss Doggy. Uh, she is the VP of Strategy over at Point3 Security. Uh, we'll be right back after this message. Cyber Resilience Institute helps build strong cyber communities designed to prevent members from attack. Like building a neighborhood watch, it takes coordination and a sharing community to protect our identities and valuables in the virtual world. Typically, we hear that organizations know they need to do something to protect their cyber assets, but don't know where to begin. Let Cyber Resilience Institute help your community create an action plan. Cyber Resilience Institute will build your community or business marketplace so that it is designed to support a collective cyber defense. Contact them for more information at cyberresilienceinstitute.org. Welcome back to the new Cyber Frontier. My name is Sean Murray. We have Chloe Miss Doggy all the way from Point3 Security. She's the VP of Strategy over there. We've been having a great conversation on what that technology does um, for employers and actually gives a good baseline for uh, the, the contestants. I'll call them a contestant, right, or a candidate. Um, do they actually get any feedback from you as well? Yes. Um, actually, a good amount of them, they 
they let us know like thank you thank you so much for having a product like this because suddenly i was taken seriously because think about it i mean you know how many applications you get for every job posting but the the thing i think that stresses out hr and security uh you know hiring managers is the what happens if you get the wrong person you have this person who takes over the role you know and it's been three months but they haven't been able to do that and so everyone else is already spread thin and now they're taking on your work too that's horrible so why not just use technology that's available to like reduce the volume of applicants cut through the costs you know the resources the time and find the right person um, in a way that you know you know you're promoting diversity and inclusion in your hiring process. Yeah, that's great. I can see that as a as a big advantage for those that uh, think think. I think I would feel like I got a, a better shake um, at at you know being considered for the position if I'm able to demonstrate my skill set, not exactly. just talk through them. All right, so let's pivot. Let's talk about some of this other stuff you're doing. Um, so co-founder of Women of Security, tell us about that organization. Sure. So back in 2018, I met Tanjanka and um, she basically was like, hey, I was thinking about creating like some sort of free community where there could be chapters all over the world for women to network with one another. And I'm like, I love that idea. Let's do it. Uh, and so along with another founder, uh, Donna, and we basically, we started talking to people all around the world saying, hey, do you want to do a chapter? And how this would work is that, you know, uh, women and non-binary would meet up in whatever location and meet once a month for networking or learning purposes. And so that's basically how it came about. And we have over 30 chapters around the world. And basically, women non-binary folks all get together and network with one another. Of course, the COVID is a little bit different. So now everything has become virtual, um, which is fantastic, too, because there are definitely places around the world where they don't have chapters, but now can attend the chapter meetings and learn something from it, network as well. So that's one of the fantastic things. But it's completely free. Uh, we do not charge anything. Um, and yeah. That's awesome. So... Free membership. How does one become a member? How would uh, somebody go about applying to to be a member of your organization? I don't even have to apply. Basically, um, right now, how it's set up is that we have on our webpage basically all the different chapters we have around the world, and you just click on it, you find when is the next event, and just attend it. Super easy. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, how about what's the what's the URL for your website? Um, it's uh, womenofsecurity.com. Okay. That's yeah. great. So what about this uh, other organization you co-founded? We are hacker or no, this one is yours. This is, is yeah. this, okay. This one's your baby. Yeah. We are so, hackers. So, um, in 2019 in May, uh, what happened was I came across a statistic that was in the bug crowd. They had his annual report. And in the 2018 annual report, it stated that, you know, 4% of the hacker community identifies women. And this was just like, well, this can't exist anymore because it already, it's terrible when you already are in an industry where there's no one really there that looks like you, represents you. And I was like, well, I want to change that. So I created uh, Women Hackers at the time. And how it is, is that basically, that if you're a woman non-binary around the world, that you could basically join this, 
this private network community for free, by the way, everything's free. And, and you can attend workshops, you can network on each other, you can help each other emotionally, also educationally, uh, work and all that. And also mentoring and whatnot. And I had no idea it was going to grow so much that within the period of like three months, we had over 600 uh, people joining the community, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. And then <laughs> now we have over a thousand, um, but we are now called We Are Hackers because it's not just about women non-binary. We have other folks too that are marginalized um, genders as well. So basically it's open to anyone hacking at any level. You could be very beginner, you could be advanced. It doesn't matter. We still love you. Um, and yeah, if you're and it's a great supportive community because you also have people that are like you in there. So you don't feel left out, you feel included. And that's the thing I think is really important is that create safe spaces where people can feel included. And so um, sounds like a great community. Uh, you guys talk about different resources, different approaches on different technologies. Tell us a little bit about uh, what is it if I become a member uh, the non-binary in inclusion. So I'm accepted to the community. What do you guys talk about? So what we do is basically we support one another. So if someone has a question in the community, someone responds. If someone wants to volunteer, someone responds. If someone is trying to figure out what cert to get, someone responds. If someone's looking for a discount on a cert, someone responds. The thing is, it's like, it's a way to cut through the noise on Twitter in a sense and really just connect with people that are trying to help each other out. And that's kind of what we do as a community is we help each other out you know, and, and we provide resources. What I really like about that uh, idea is if you're trying to do this on, on social media, oh my gosh, you've got all of a sudden all the advertisings come and all of the, you know, the, the tracking and the commercialization. So what you've basically done is created, created an ecosystem to be able to people with like-minded to be able to collaborate without all of that baggage, right? Yep, pretty much, which is great. No dumpster fires. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, well, and, you know, in, in those of us in, in that level of discipline are usually more, um, value, we value our privacy a lot more. So um, great, great contribution. We're going to come right back after the, the next message. We're with uh, Chloe Miss Doggy from uh, Point3 Security. We're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back with Chloe right after this Welcome back, Sean Murray, New Cyber Frontier. We have Chloe, Miss Doggy, all the way from Point3 Security. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about her organization and a couple of the organizations that uh, she has started. Uh, very inclusive. Um, I, I love the mentality, um, uh, an advocate, um, and also uh, hacking is not a crime. Tell us about hacking is not a crime. You're a co-finder of that organization as well, because you're not busy enough. 
No, definitely not. I mean, I could take on more easily. <laughs> um, so hacking is not a crime. Basically, uh, when I was working at Bug Crowd, I got involved with Disclose.io, which is trying to promote safe harbor for hackers in the community. Um, basically, to try to get organizations to all have disclosure policies, because disclosure policies allows a bilateral trust amongst the hackers in the community to report vulnerabilities in a safe way, knowing that the company itself won't retaliate, but have better understanding. And so I really love doing that type of work. And so when I joined Point3 Security, I still was part of it. Um, I tried to do whatever I could, but then I also realized that it's not just about that. What's happening right now is that we're still battling some really out-of-date stereotypes of what is a hacker versus a criminal. And so um, basically, I wanted to change that narrative. But I also know that the only way that we're going to change the narrative is to bring common sense to the platform, but also for people to be aware of that hackers are these good people. And so I started creating you know, a draft of a talk um on hacker rights and i gave it at rsa conference last year actually this year we're still in this year seems like time is uh doesn't even matter anymore but uh basically from there i i created a petition and this petition would go to organizations to um, legislators to the media trying to state what are the issues hackers are facing because right now we have absolutely zero rights at all um, and that's a problem when you have a group of people that have no rights to protect them when their job is to protect you. It seems kind of unfair. And so this petition got like thousands of signatures and I wanted to take action, not just have a petition, but also take action as well. And I came across basically uh, hacking is not a crime, which is basically a bunch of stickers um, that you could get at conferences that are like hacking is not a crime. It's a takeoff of skateboarding. And basically from there, I met Brian, um, who I didn't know was the person who was creating these stickers and whatnot. And I was like, hey, do you want a partner? Because the one thing I have learned in life is don't go at it alone. It's so much easier when you have other people with you. It's less work on you and whatnot. And so I basically was like, Brian, I really want to do actions here. I did the research. I've done the talks. It's time for me to take action. Will you join me? And he was like, let's do it. And so we've been around um, and we have you know, some incredible advocates in the space. Um, and we're constantly trying to change the narrative of hackers by working with media, organizations, and legislators. Because that's the first step to change anything is to change the mindsets that right. people well, have. And I call it changing the culture. That's the thing that we struggle with on the boards, um, especially for, I call them the old codgers that, you know, they're, they're, they'll spend 45 minutes on the board of directors talking about, a. Uh, an accounting error, but, uh, you know, well, we just want cyber at a high level and well, you know, 80% of your business processes are automated. So that's not going to work anymore. Um, you need to understand the, the technology aspect of it. So let's circle back on hacking is not a crime. And so, um, you're an activist, uh, on top of an advocate. Um, so for those of us that are professionals in the security community, um, we would come back and ask questions like, okay, so hacking is not a crime. 
if it's done ethically? How do you address that aspect of it? Right. So what the first thing is to break down what is an attacker versus a hacker, right? They use the exact same skill set, but the intent is different. One is doing it for their own gain, malicious intent. The other one is doing it to protect um, and also to protect and serve, I like to say. Uh, but they use the exact same skill set, but one has permission, the other one does not. So for example, a hacker finds a vulnerability, they report it to you. When an attacker finds a vulnerability, they use it for their own gain. And this could be for monetary, for data collection, or blackmailing, and, and so on. The list can go on forever. Sure. Uh, but the thing is, is knowing those two parties, how they work, is so fundamental to understanding why hacking is not a crime. Because hackers, they'll do the exact same skill set and whatnot, but they get permission before they exploit, if needed. Um, they also make sure that they stay within scope um, if their scope is listed. And that's the problem because a lot of organizations don't have vulnerability disclosure policies. So how am I as a hacker knowing who to contact when I find something and what's, what's okay, what's not okay? How do I know these things? So when you have policies up front, it lets me know what I need to know about so I don't go into having any trouble with you as the organization and we can work better because the trust is already built there. And that's the thing is, is that you have still organizations in doubt of working with the hacker community because they have that old belief system. And so their their concerns like, well, if we do vulnerability disclosure policies, then this is just asking for the hacker community to hack us in bad ways. When in reality, that's not really what it does. And research has shown that actually it protects you even more so by having vulnerability disclosure policies. You're allowing for vulnerability disclosure to happen because your security team is not always going to catch all the vulnerabilities. So sometimes an outside lens is something that's needed. Yeah, it's it's one of those areas where um, it needs better advocacy and, and definition. Uh, to your point, um, the bug bounty program um, which has been a new discipline in, in cybersecurity, you know, an old adage of information security, has only been around for the last several years, right? So um, having a methodical organization or uh, having a methodical um, framework that an organization is going to adhere to, to include, hey, I've got permission, it's ethical, uh, I'm using my skill sets to do good based on ethical behavior as opposed to non-ethical behavior, to your point, uh, the malicious person, right? They're they're going to be hacking into exploit a vulnerability to gain some type of advantage, whether it's criminal activity, monetarily, um, you know, uh, ruin somebody else's reputation, so on and so forth. But the whole idea behind, um, you know, what your organization hacking is not a crime is to make sure that everyone understands from an advocate point of view, we're here doing things for the betterment of the community not as a, as an adversary. Yep. We're basically challenging stereotypes, which is, it's a long process. But if you do work with organizations, uh, legislation, and also, you know, with the media, it, it changes. It can change so fast, but it does take some time of all of us to, you know, point out when there's a flaw. For example, if the press reports a story of like, a hacker did this and this and that, it's best for us to respond saying, hey there, friend. Um, you may not know this, but there's two different parties that exist. One right. is a hacker, one is the attacker. 
it would be great if next time when you run a story like this is to have the correct terminology because you're basically putting us in a situation where we'll never see change when it comes to rights and you know maybe one day we won't be able to serve and protect depending on how the laws work in the future and that's something important to understand but the the craziest thing is that one out of four security researchers or hackers is another way of saying it um they they don't report the vulnerability that they find because of being afraid of being prosecuted by companies because it's common, it happens. Um, but those that do report it, they usually go through like social media and whatnot, they'll DM them and say, hey, I found something. And it's either ignored because you know who's checking that's marketing. Marketing doesn't really have communication with security. Um, and so it goes either ignored or it's misinterpreted. And then next thing you know, is like, we're going to throw you with a lawsuit. So it's, it's such a tricky situation because, uh, you know, these are just people that are just trying to help out. They're not asking for money. They're asking for help. Of course, there are those that try to extort the situation, but those that do that, I would say those are more on the criminal attacker side. Yeah. And, and there are, you know, there's several, uh, um, we call them hackers or reverse engineers that, um, you know, legally have the ability to be able to reverse engineer, find vulnerabilities. The ethical aspect of it that we look at is what are you doing with the information? If you're publishing it on the dark web or to the community going, hey, look what I found. Here's a zero day. And then all of the black hat, the, the, the malicious hackers take that to try and gain an advantage then, you know, there's that ethical aspect of it, but I don't think that they they particularly care. Uh, one comes to mind, a Polish researcher um, who came out with a tool called Kemerka, which is a Polish word for camera. Um, over the last uh, 18 months or so, he's been able to, with Shodan, um, demonstrate where all the uh, vulnerable cameras and industrial control systems uh, within Europe and the United States are down to a Google Maps overlay so that you can go figure this stuff out. Now that to me would be unethical, um, mm -hmm. you know, but it's out there. And so we've, we've got to recognize that. So we're coming to the end of our segment. Uh, we're with Chloe Mistagi from uh, Point3 Security and all of these other uh, great organizations. She's either co-founded or, or started herself. Parting words, parting thoughts for our community, for our listeners. I would say stay safe, wear a mask. COVID-19 is not a joke. It's actually very serious because there are, even, even if it's a short term, you know, that you have it, is that more than 10% right now are, um, are have these lingering symptoms. And it's so important for you to be aware of that. Um, the other thing is that right now we're facing a huge short, not shortage of food, but shortage of resources for the local food banks. And we're seeing um, a surge of families going hungry. And it's expected that one out of four kids by the end of this year will, will know what hunger feels like. So if you can donate to your local food bank, as a community, we, we, we're there for each other and whatnot, but we also need to be there outside of our community too and help one another. So if yeah. you can donate or volunteer your time at a local food bank, it is so needed at this time. Well, I would say great words, especially in this this needed time. Um, you know, we need to focus on uh, ourselves as as humans, and and that means uh, the outreach to the other disadvantaged communities as well. Chloe, thank you so much for contributing to our show. 
Uh, we've been speaking with Chloe Miss Doggy. She is uh, um, the Chief Strategy or the VP of Strategy over Point3 Security, co-founder of We Are Hackers, Hacking is Not a Crime, and uh, co-founder of uh, the Women of Security. I just Thanks can't for having me. Sleep. <laughs> Thank you so much <laughs> for your contributions, and you have a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, you too. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of New Cyber Frontier. Remember to get involved. Often we think that someone else will handle privacy and security in the virtual world, but you are the only one truly in command of your virtual fate. Join our mailing list so we can keep you informed of breaking news and new releases. If you have an idea, if you have a question that you would like to hear answered, or if you want to get involved with our efforts, reach out to us at NewCyberFrontier.com. We also encourage you to visit our sponsors' links as they are the ones that really make this show possible. I want to thank each of you for supporting the show, and we look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of New Cyber Frontier.